Ladies and gentlemen, now it's time for Circle 3, the only podcast that has six intros, of which you get to hear just the last one. At least that's how it's going tonight. So welcome, it's Brandon, Paul, and some guy named Chris. Sea Dog's my street name. I promise you the first intro was better. It's D-A-W-G. Your, your street name. Yeah, we got street <laughs> names in the streets of Southeast Michigan. <laughs> welcome, well, welcome. welcome, welcome. your lane welcome. name. <laughs> this um, is episode eight of Circle eight. Three with uh, Brandon, Chris, and Paul. We are so excited to join you tonight. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Paul tried like six intros there. We had a little issue with the countdown. It doesn't matter because right now at 8.33 p.m. Eastern time, we are live on YouTube maybe a couple days later in your headphones from podcasts on Apple Music or Spotify. However you're listening, thank you for joining us tonight. F&A, Brandon. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> be here. Yes. <laughs> Brandon, congratulations. Uh, I believe you are one step closer to being vaccinated. Yes. So that's, that's wonderful. I am feeling the effects of the, uh, so in Canada, we are doing vaccine cocktails uh, because the shortage of Pfizer, uh, there's a shortage of Pfizer and people needed second doses. And they said, yeah, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, it's cool. So I got my Moderna, felt bad for a couple of days. I'm actually starting to pick back up now. Uh, I'm gonna go kiss everyone I see in public 14 days from now. And uh, I'm just, I'm just super excited. I'm totally just super excited to feel better tonight, to be honest. You guys know how bad I felt this morning and uh, yesterday. Yeah. So what about you, Chris? How was your weekend? Uh, yeah, I don't know. My weekend was good. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. What did this I do? Quality content people come here for, folks. It was, a, it was a whirlwind. I was in Texas last week seeing my mom, so... I think every day since I got back, which was like Tuesday night I got back, every day was just kind of catch up. Um, but I did want to take a second to wish everybody a happy National Parchment Day. That's is that right. day already? It snuck up on hey, me too. I make a lot of but, cookies. Uh, Parchment is a big deal in this household. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, it, it's important to master the method of cooking with parchment paper. That's all. I'll leave it at that. If you don't Kearns, know, then sorry. Kearns, I want to say that sounds deep and wise, but isn't the method like just put it underneath this stuff? I don't know. Is it? I mean, that's what is I it, do. Is it, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe it is. We haven't mastered it. We no, can talk about it's... parchment all day, but... Uh, I have a better idea. Yeah, I want to talk about two... Our, our two guests are like, what Two the people fuck? who on paper... <laughs> who on paper... Good segue there. Are, uh, are much more impressive than any cookies I would ever bake. <laughs> so we're going Ooh. to... Uh, we're going to bring in our incredible guests today. Uh, finally outnumbering these two Yankees on the Circle 3 podcast for the first time. Three to two. We've got Elaine King and Eric... Vandenberg, thank you guys so much for joining us. Elaine and Eric, welcome hey. to Circle Three. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> I especially oh, like the multiple intros. Um, it's a shame <laughs> the folks at home only got to hear the last one. The only podcast where our listeners vote for the Netflix skip intro button to be added. <laughs> uh, so we, Paul let us know that he had spoken to you guys and we had the opportunity to have you guys on the podcast and Chris and I immediately were super excited, but I personally was a little bit more excited because uh, my home chorus is actually a chorus that the two of you know very well. Maybe not as well now because it's changed a lot over the last two years, but that's Centennial Park in Etobicoke, Ontario. Good. I'm, I'm glad it's changed because, okay, I'll tell you a story. So one of the many iterations of the chorus, we had decided uh, with Brandon Fleming yeah. where all yeah. poles were going to go. So we're there, the parks department, riding around in the vehicle, marking where they're going to go. And then Brandon decides he had a, like a vision of the night before a dream or something. And so he decided all the pole holes were going to go to a place that was blind from the tee. And so he and I are there arguing 
about the placement and the park supply is going to just like tell me where to put the spray paint. So um, it ended up that there were a lot of blind holes, which um, is not great for having a disc golf course in a public park where there are yes. random people walking their dogs, running, you know, picnicking, whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's had another redesign. Now, I were, think were there 27 holes at that point? Yes. There was. That's when it expanded out Cavington Avenue. So we had Adam Hazel now, who you guys might know. Uh, so Adam actually did the official redesign now. We have 17 foot by 8 foot asphalt tee pads on every tee, shorts and longs with three basket positions on each hole for a full 18 around the park. And it is an incredible track. It's a pro-level track. The only reason we can't have events there is, you mentioned it, Elaine, uh, year-round picnickers and joggers and people walking and because of the access to the park it's impossible to close down for for an event and stop people from coming to it so it's great I play there I play at the island so super excited to have you guys so we want to start off just asking you guys a little bit about you how did you get started how did the two of you meet uh, Chris wrote a really cool stat down that you guys have a combined PDGA number of 6,179. That is an, ama an amazing statistic. Uh, so you guys have lived and breathed disc golf for a really long time. So please take over, tell us a little bit about yourselves. We're, we're super excited. Um, well, essentially we met at a birthday party for my brother. Um, I had just returned from living for four months in Hawaii um, and a friend of his had a party and Elaine was a friend of a friend. She kind of knew my brother um somewhat and i got invited along um and we ended up starting to go out a couple weeks after that um almost three months or sorry three years later uh we actually got married about two months after that we discovered a poster on the wall of the grocery store that was close to our apartment in downtown toronto uh, advertising the canadian open Okay, let, let, can I just pause there? Because for, for most of your, the, the listeners, like, you know, you want to find out what's happening in the city. What do you do? You just like fire up your phone and like search on <laughs> Facebook events. Okay. Yeah. So, like, remember, this is back in 1983. So not only was there no internet, were there cell phones back then? I don't like, think so. I, I don't think there were even no. cell phones. I, so, I don't think there was Kristen Brandon in 1983. I was alive. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to find out about stuff, like you took physical pieces of paper and you affixed them in random places and hope people saw it. Or you put sort ads like, in the newspaper and that's those were your avenues. Sort of like parking tickets. Like that's a modern <laughs> analog. So anyway, this was a, a Saturday morning because that's when we normally did our grocery shopping and it was that whole weekend, but it was kind of, we figured, okay, we'll just go tomorrow. Um, but there was no times, I don't think, on the poster. And so we just kind of randomly got up, had breakfast, went. And um, so we went to the, the ferry over to the island in Toronto. Um, I think there were signs maybe that uh, directed us to where they were doing the freestyle. And when we got there, there was almost nobody there. There was a stage, there was a couple of people kind of warming up, uh, doing some freestyle. And so we went up to one of them and just asked, you know, where everybody was, where it was going to, when it was going to start. They said, oh, they're all on the other island golfing. And we thought this was very odd. Why and, would they be like golfing? And so we decided, well, we've got like all this time to kill. We may as well just go watch them golf and we'll, you know, take the walk over there. And so we saw the final nine of um, the tournament that was going on, the golf portion of the Canadian Open. And it was uh, Michael Sullivan, who was, you know, part owner of Prodigy. Yep. It was uh, Bob Harris, big uh, mover and shaker back then and kind of still uh, from St. Thomas. Jim Palmieri, number 23, um, was in there. And then a local guy, 
um, who, Sheldon? Sheldon Deal, who stopped playing, I think, a couple years Lost later. Lost in the sand time. Stocky Bob, Stocky Bob still has an amazing mini chorus that he runs in in St. Thomas, and he's got 18 mini baskets out there, and it's it's spectacular. He's a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it's going to be like live, uh, you know, regular sized baskets at some point. But I don't know. I think people are enjoying the mini chorus there, from what I hear. Um, but anyway, so after that, we went like the next weekend, brought our 110 gram pro model frisbees, and we started playing. And yeah, Eric, you failed to mention how incredibly excited you were to see these people playing disc golf. Now, I thought it was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen in my life, especially <laughs> I think when Sheldon threw a roller. It's like, what is even happening? Like, that doesn't look right. Um, but he was so excited. It's like, this is a frisbee sport I can play and I don't have to have a partner of equal ability, which, you know, is a problem when you do freestyle. If your partner isn't of equal or better ability, it's pretty unexciting. Like, I wasn't a good freestyle partner for you, was I? Well, it's not like I was that good at freestyle. But I had grown up playing frisbee just in the street with my next younger brother. Um, I played it uh, with my friends in high school. We would use the football field, whatever. So I had thrown frisbees a lot, and when Elaine and I first started going out, we occasionally would would go out to a field or whatever. I'd throw a disc to where she would usually not catch it. She would then kind of throw it nowhere near to where I was, and I'd run like crazy after the thing. And... Yeah, he got a lot of exercise in, <laughs> and I just stood there and missed catching it. You said um, you guys played in the street, Eric. Did you have a street name? Because I don't know if you caught in the intro, I have a street name. So. <laughs> Um, no, it just was not popular in suburban Toronto at the time to have Okay. But, but you gave your brother a nickname. Vidinsky. Chris, Chris Kearns would be happy to know, though, that the, the original gang who started disc golf in Toronto do have street names. They were called the Men With Hats, Chris. And, uh, Interesting. They are they are they are a legend, the, the the men's with hats. And actually one guy that I've started playing disc golf with lately, who you might know from the freestyle community back then, Eric, is Patrick Chartrand. Sure, I played with Patrick. So Patrick's become an incredibly good disc golfer, actually, over the past couple of years, playing at the course in the beaches. So we put a course in an Ashbridges Bay, just a short nine-hole course to introduce people to the game. And disc golf in Toronto has exploded our our last couple tournaments have filled out 80 spots in one minute uh like three four tournaments in a row female divisions of like i think the last tournament i played at had 37 38 female participants wow. uh so it's we have a now elaine we have a toronto women's league so two female players from the gta decided to just start up a women's league they rotate between et seaton and centennial park and they just encourage people to come out and play. It's it's amazing to see. It gives me literally goosebumps right now to talk about how disc golf is growing here, as, as, especially amongst people who have been not as big in the community before, right? So it's it's great to hear you guys talk about these stories. It's it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, we actually did play Ashbridge's Bay when we went back um, a couple years ago. It was like in December. We went back for uh, Christmas, New Year's, and actually went out. And I've seen that there are several pop-up courses for the winter that are appearing um, from a disc golf couple. Um, unfortunately, due to COVID, I mean, we haven't been able to get back and, and play those when they're up. For sure. Yeah, um, but, although, although we can cross the border now as of yes. July 7th or something. And, and the U.S. Also, is no longer out of bounds, huh? Um, they were a fairly late addition. That was like Paul Bellier and uh, Jason Zalonen. And um, God, I'm missing somebody. Rob Rob Wormald from Ottawa yep. were the original men with hats, but they were like many years after. Uh, I mean, the original Toronto was uh, Ken Westerfield and Bob Blakely, and Bob Blakely worked for Irwin Toy. Oh, very cool. Um, who was the the early sponsor for um, a lot of the events? I mean, I think it was Bob that got Orange Crush involved with the original uh, Island. T signs. Um, and Etobicoke. They were both Orange Crush. Right. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Orange Crush T signs? Never. Like they're the old DGA Ed Hedrick. They they give you a white piece of paper and like little cutouts of trees and you take it's the like, tree and you stick it 
on. It's like teal and stick. Yeah. <laughs> then they give you a bunch of numbers and it's like, oh, it's a 234 feet. So you put the two and then the three and then the four. Yeah, that's what T signs were like for many years, really. You yeah. could get really mischievous with that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if there's blind holes. <laughs> So at the island course, I know that's been through at least three significant redesigns, or at least, well, three three different courses that I'm aware of. That maybe in the last 10 years, there's been another one, but Anatobico is about the same. I mean, it used to be a much shorter course. Um, for a while, it was actually up on the ski hill. Yeah. Um, but then those would get taken out in the winter for people skiing, and then there was a lot of uh, mischievousness with people taking the pole hole out because I guess it wasn't a fix very well and they'd roll it down the hill and we'd go and play it and we'd pick it up from down the hill and bring it back up. It's and... not easy to carry a pole hole up a ski hill. Yeah. yeah I, oh, I believe imagine. it. <laughs> I believe the weight. No, I think they played longs to longs at club the other night and in the current layout, it's about 7,100 feet. So it does play decent length now. It's, it's a lot of fun. As much as I'd love to talk about Toronto all day, Chris is our Chris is our general research man. Chris is our general research man, so he likes to you That's know pressure. do some background info on our guests and stuff. And Chris, I know you discovered a couple things when you were doing your your research. This yeah, week. I uh, so I found out Elaine was acquitted. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, this well, is how rumors get started. Yeah, I'm gonna do some merch all over the internet. Yeah. Come on, Chris. She's not sponsored by Innova. Uh, uh, I just want to clarify, Elaine was not acquitted. No. <laughs> but um, We had that I, expunged. I, I did see, um, I want to say, Elaine, congratulations on win number 300 you had recently. Thank you. That is incredible. I believe you're the first, isn't, aren't you, I believe the first to reach 300 wins. The first human being. Yes. The only. To get 300 PDGA sanctioned tournament wins. That is phenomenal. Thank I you. think I have three wins out of about 80 tournaments. So uh, yeah, I can't imagine. Let's just also point out the ratio. It's 300 wins out of what, like, was it 522 tournaments? It's like it's... Five, I think it's 560. It's real close oh, to okay. that. Okay, well, never but mind. But still, then. yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> and, and as a couple, you have almost 400 wins. So I it's just incredible um and i i was really curious if, for each of you is is there a a win out there in your career that really just kind of stands out it's a moment you cherish something that's special do you have a win um well for sure because i mean it took me something like 18 years before i had an open win. i had one in masters i'd won in advanced early on i only played like that in a three four um, tournaments is advanced. Um, and so that was kind of, well, I mean, the first Masters win even was was a really long time. Um, and then I won an Open after that. Um, so those kind of really stand out. Uh, I mean, a lot of my wins have been in age-protected divisions. So, I mean, it's not nearly the same or like not nearly as impressive as, as you know, what Elaine and Brian Schwaberger have done. Um, I think it's also worth noting that, you know, the, the PDJ records are still not totally up to date. And Elaine actually had 300 tournament wins like some months ago. Ah. Um, but there's tournaments that are not entered into the database as of yet. Um, okay. And it could be the same for Brian Schwaberger, that he has wins that may not be there, just, you know, for various reasons that hopefully uh, eventually will show up. No, I, I talked to him and he said the only wins that weren't counted were like doubles or non-sanctioned. So he believes his, his records PDGA are complete. Yeah, yeah, his PDGA account is correct. But yeah, I remember back, you know, in the 80s and 90s, like tournament directors filled out pieces of paper and mailed them in. And, you know, like it's so hard to get tournament directors, uh, uh, like until recently, the changes with disc golf scene now make it super easy. But before when tournament directors had to email a spreadsheet, it was like pulling teeth to get them to submit them. So, I mean, there's just so many paper records from the early days that are sort of gone. And yeah. Amber Schlock from the PDGA has been looking through old magazines and just looking at the results listing from old magazines wow. to try and um, capture at least some of the history of the early tournaments. Paper wins preserved by shinier, better paper. Mm -hmm. 
That's incredible. That's cool. So, Elaine, what was a? Uh, do you have any any particular wins that you really cherish, or tournament experiences? Even it could be. It doesn't necessarily have to be a win, but a special moment. Well, the, the my um, most exciting win was the first big tournament I ever won, which was the Circus City Open in Peru, Indiana, in 1987. Which was a World Cup. Yeah, it was part of what was called the World Cup series, which was a very short-lived affair, and it didn't even um, have all the events that it was originally scheduled to have. But it was like a, a branded, you know, significant series. So there was a lot of attendance. So I think there were 32 women at that tournament, if, if memory serves, which was a crazy number in those days because there just weren't that many people playing. And so I was so excited to enter the event and um, the winner got a pole hole. And again, I mean, remember, um, <laughs> Ed still had the patent on the pole hole. So the pole hole was a, a DGA exclusive thing. You, you, you weren't technically allowed to make them, but Alan Pierre was home making, hand making knockoffs. Um, and they okay. were real good called spider webs. So he was offering a pole hole to the winner and like you just couldn't get your hands on a pole hole like yeah. very few people had poles but we did well we had one because <laughs> we got it from from mike sullivan who sold it to us when the island pole holes were upgraded right um well that's just kind of a story for another time um <laughs> but but anyhow like eric like like now everyone who's semi-serious about it has got a pole hole oh yeah but but back yeah. then, like nobody had a pole hole. It was a very unusual thing to have. There was it's not like nowadays where someone's got an MVP portal, you know, right in their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a whole big deal. So I was really excited. Like, ooh, the winner gets a pole hole. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, there was, you know, Vanessa Chambers, world champion, was there. Tammy Pelican, the distance champion, was there. There were just all these women, and I was sort of nobody. Um, but I somehow managed to win that tournament and um that was just such an amazing feeling because like right up until almost the last hole i didn't expect to win it because i thought oh yeah vanessa will just you know come back and win it um and you know on the last hole i i played it really well and she had some trouble and all of a sudden i was i had won the event and i didn't think i had the capability so it was such a surprise to me that i could win it and i think that's a mo the most meaningful win that you have is the win, not the win that you expect that you should be able to get, but it's the win you had no idea that you had the capability. I'm looking at that one now, and not only did you shoot the hot round in that tournament, but you also shot the individual second best round <laughs> in your first round. So you you won that tournament by four strokes. Like that's that's fantastic for a tournament you you didn't think you had. I love that. That's incredible. And we still have that hole, that pole hole, and we were we use it for our practice in the backyard. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. So this is um so, so the use of the term pole hole uh, got me thinking. So you you guys have been around for a couple of years, uh, and I think one of the one of the common questions that uh, in situations like this, pros are asked is like, what advice do you have for newer players other than learn the term pole hole? Um, but this is a safe space. Um, what would you say is, is, is wrong with new players these days? <laughs> okay. What drives you nuts about the newbies? Wow. Um, Eric, do you have some thoughts? I, I do. I'm not sure how much I should be sharing. But... Oh, share um, it all, my friend. <laughs> well, I think to some extent there is a, a feeling of entitlement, I guess. Um, there, there's, I mean, some resistance, I guess. I guess a lot of people now, I mean, the PGA is growing like crazy. So obviously there is uptake in the community and people want to support the organization. But I think there's still kind of a lot of people out there who maybe just play casually Um and it's not like it's that recent, um, but I mean, to, to a lot of people, discs are, you know, you use them a lot. They're your favorites. You know what they do. Um, it's not easy to lose a disc. 
and for it not to get returned um, when you clearly have it marked with your name, your number, and your you know your PDGA number, your email address, whatever. Like I put everything on my disc. Directions to your house on the back. Much else. There's just all this writing on his back number. Return one of my discs. Um, but that I think is an aggravating factor. Certainly that there's this feeling that well you know you've lost it as mine now. Um, I mean, I can kind of see it if you threw it like 20 feet into a pond or something and you're not willing to swim and risk tetanus and whatever to go get the thing. Um, but if you lost it in the bush, you know, if I find a disc, I try and return it to people as best as I can. I've had a number of people just say, oh, well, I've, you know, I've moved to Wisconsin or California or something, you know, just keep it. It, you know, it doesn't mean that much to me. Um, and apparently the whole uh, disc golf Pro Tour and other high-level tournaments that are, you know, up on YouTube and whatever. Um, people apparently are expecting that every tournament they go to, whether it's a B tier or a C tier or whatever, it's going to have that level of organization and, you know, nice courses and whatever. And um, they just don't appreciate where the sport is at and where it's come from and the kind of ongoing uh, efforts that are required and that it's still by and large it's volunteers that are oh, doing almost everything 100%. Yeah. i mean there's a lot of courses that the parks department will not maintain the course and it's up to the local club to do the maintenance yeah yeah we have a course here that gets uh, mowed twice a year it's great for about six weeks <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean i i think this is actually sort of indicative of just younger people in general who just don't have enough life experience and just they're still sort of like well everything's there for me and why isn't it better and they just haven't had enough life experience to understand that you know nothing is comes for free and someone's doing some work or paying or you know there's there's something there um yeah. i would say for beginning players my biggest piece of advice is just just put away those high speed drivers just mm -hmm. throw mid-ranges until you can throw it straight. You mean like What's this 11 speed Elaine King photon? <laughs> Do not throw that if you're, <laughs> if you're, a be that is not a beginning player disc. It, well, you're not a beginning isn't. player, so that makes sense. <laughs> but, 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 but you can buy them and put them on your wall and give them to your friends. Yeah, you should buy a lot of them. <laughs> They're actually in stock now at MVP, so you can order them. So if you go. aren't if you aren't a beginning player though, huge plug. I got my butt whooped this weekend uh, in a local tournament by someone who, off the tee on his first hole, he's like, "We have a hard headwind," and I'm like, "What are you throwing?" And he's like, "161 gram Elaine King Fission Photon," <laughs> right? And he hyzer flipped that thing like 450 feet with hard fade. And I talked to Paul about it after and. That fission plastic is just unlike any other plastic with the fate it can get and the stability it can carry with lightweight. So if you do have an arm and you think, oh, I can't throw lightweight discs, I always turn them over, try, try one of those fission photons. They're, they're awesome discs. Yeah. And if you have a cannon of an arm, try a full weight one. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you for that, that plug for my product. I like, you know, I, uh, Folks at home, I did not tell them to do this. I did not pay them anything. Well, okay. oh, no, I keep... there, there were People vicious who... threats. Vicious. <laughs> Long yeah, time so listeners of this. Uh... Second signature disc just Ooh. is coming out. So yeah, it, uh, it dropped just this week, right? Yeah, an Eclipse reactor. So the Eclipse is that glow-in-the-dark plastic that, like, you just, you charge it up and then like it hurts your eyes for the next eight hours it's so bright yeah yep. i have the i have the marie Envy. curie i have the marie curie uh reactor the special edition ones that came out and it is in my glow bag it's one of the only non-discraft me and chris throw a lot of discraft i'll put that out there uh it's one of the only non-discraft discs in my glow bag and it'll always stay there because a the reactor is an amazing amazing straight mid-range uh, but that Eclipse plastic, I've never seen glow plastic that glows like that Eclipse 2.0 plastic. It's, I think, 30, 35 minutes, like, the disc will stay glowing when you light it up with UV. Oh, yeah, it like stays I warm. 
So I, I legit, so Paul sent me in a mystery box an Eclipse Mini. And I forgot about said Mini. It's in my little disc cave in the basement. I, I was in the basement doing something, probably taking pictures of discs. I went upstairs, came back down like 15 minutes later to get something. All the lights were off, but I knew right where I had to go. And I just saw this little glowing sliver. I thought there was like an alien or some kind of creepy <laughs> creature in my basement. And then I, after two minutes of my hair standing up on edge, I realized it was the mini. So well played, Paul. You're welcome. <laughs> what you get for neglecting my gifts. Don't tell my sponsor, but that I'll say that's probably the best glow plastic out there. Hey, I have well, to say. Tell your I sponsor because your sponsor's glow plastic isn't good at all. <laughs> and and to be fair so first of all brandon's right uh mvp's glow is unparalleled it was it was the best before and then 2.0 is just it's ridiculous yeah. but i actually worked hard to source you one of those minis with no stamp so from a distance other than the fact that it's you know actually glowing you can't tell it's mvp yeah no for sure and it helps it look like a creepy alien eyeball so a secondary well, he just bonus. told the world, so now they all know that his glowing mini is yep. not wow. that other manufacturer. I just got kicked off the underground team. I hope you're all through. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> passive aggressive sabotage is uh, one of my specialties. So, no, it's, oh. uh, it's, it's, I, I love, I love MVP's plastic. And anyone who's looked at MVP's plastic in the last two years, and not looked at the cosmic neutron and the swirls in streamlined stuff. And, and how do you not fall in love <laughs> with that look? I had uh, an amazing, I was throwing the runway for a while as my overstable mid, the stream, streamlined runway, and I had the most beautiful cosmic neutron runway. And anytime I played with people, it was like, where did you get those discs? And uh, that leads me to ask you, Elaine, maybe it's not how beautiful they looked, but what drew you over to MVP? What what really caught your eye about them and made you want to pursue a company that, I don't want to say this in a, uh, it's not in a bad way at all, but not a ton of people knew a whole lot about. Yeah, so, so when I left Discraft, um, I just decided, well, I can throw anything I like. I mean, I've, you know, thrown only Discraft for like 25 years, so it was kind of exciting. It was like, well, and it was also like paralyzing because there's so many discs it's like, where do I even start? So, so what I did is I went to the box of like miscellaneous discs. Um, we had probably a few of them and I just started rifling through and picking out some discs. And one of the discs I picked out was the wave. And mm. so I started throwing that as well as some others. And I was just posting on Facebook, any discs that I threw that I liked and why I liked it. Um, so one of the MVP fans saw that I had posted on the wave and he alerted Steve Holloway, uh, the team manager at the time. And so Steve contacted me and said, I, Hey, I hear you like the wave. You want to try a few others? And I said, sure. And so he's, you know, we talked about what I like to throw. And so he sent me a box of discs and that that's where it started. And, you know, I tried them out and I gave him feedback and we started talking and uh, at the time, I didn't really understand what the point was of the overmolds. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I started reading about it. And it's like, oh, well, I'm a scientist. And so this makes perfect scientific sense. So the, the outer plastic is denser. It's heavier. It gives more weight to the rim. And the plastic in the middle is less dense. And so when you spin it with enough snap, you get a gyroscopic effect. And if you don't know what that is, you know, watch a Mr. Science video. Um, but anyhow, the, the, the long short of it is that the discs will propel themselves for a longer time, having more weight around the rim. And this is why other manufacturers have these big, wide, beefy rims to their high distance drivers. But uh, for MVP, they don't need to do that because the overmold does that for them. And I mean, everyone says I'm throwing farther. I am throwing farther. Like I have certainly never thrown a putter as far as I can throw the atom. Like I can throw that 200 feet. And prior to that, I would say, I wouldn't want to try to throw a putter more than 150. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then just to, con 
just to continue the unnecessary exposition on advertising for MVP, which is fine with me because I love them. Uh, the fission plastic, then, it, it even goes farther, right? Because it's got the it's got the lighter weight flight plate. It's it's kind of like the Blizzard from Innovus. It's like the yeah, it's, it's foamy. It's actually exactly like the Blizzard. It's got little bubbles in there. You can't see them, but it does have bubbles in there, so that's super light. So that magnifies the gyroscopic effect. And if you, again, you have to put enough spin on the disc. But once you put enough spin on the disc, it will carry, like float farther. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't following this and the eyes are glazing over, just think of it this way. It's like getting 15 grams of weight on your disc for free. So if you can throw a 160, it'll fly like a 175. All right, add over. What <laughs> no, but one of, the coolest, one of the coolest things for me Locked too is when I learned that some of the varieties of discs for MVP were actually the same core with different overmold rims mm -hmm. and different combinations of the two. And I thought that's so cool how you can manipulate, you know, a core where the balance and the weight really works and then change the way the rim is designed to change the flight characteristics. And it's just, it's, it's really neat what they do with science. Actually, I'm representing a Canadian distributor up here who works very closely with MVP. And I know when they met with Brad and Chad, uh, science, Brad and Chad just sounds like it's the greatest name of two people that own a company ever. Uh, so, so when they were with Brad and Chad, science was a, a huge topic of conversation. And I, it's so cool to hear you explain that, Elaine, because I'll be totally honest, that is... It's the best I've ever ex heard the overmold explained as to why it propels distance. And when that special edition, huge shout out to Mike, uh, one of the best best disc golf designers, I think, out there. When that special edition wave came out with like the robot lady's face on it with like the crazy holographic lips and tons of people here in Canada bought that wave because Toplink was carrying it. And what you just said. I've never seen more posts in Disc Golf Ontario about, I just hit 400 feet for the first time. I've never thrown a driver this far. I've I've never thrown a 165 gram driver this far and not had it just flip over and, and turn on me. So it's 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 such a testament to, to how great the plastic is. All right, Paul, now add over. Uh, we, we love it. It's, it's great stuff. And we're gonna take a quick break because sip of water, everyone wants a breather. Uh, but when we come back, we've got some more great conversation with Elaine and Eric. So do not go far. Circle three is coming right back at you. Gather round children. I, Ganfrof, will tell you a tale of the times before. Of a legendary place, the sweetest spot in all the land where circles of plastic would appear glowing from our screens. And with the ritual of the cart, they would appear days later at our doors. The richest colors, the finest discs, and the kindest people. Oh, it truly was a sweet spot for disc golf. Some say this place still exists. It's vault sealed, the treasures glittering inside, awaiting the great prophecy of Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And that comes again. I hope you will be there. Sweet Spot Disc Golf. So good, our advertising department writes fan fiction about us. Ah. You know that sound. That's the sound of grabbing a wolf pack at the end of a long week. There's nothing better than cracking open a cold uh, wolf? and feeling that buzz. Uh, that's discraft. D discraft buzz. Start to take hold. At the end of a long work day, at the end of a long week, reach for us. Wolf pack discs. We'll be there for you. And we are back on Circle Three. Brandon, Chris, Paul, and Elaine, and Eric joining us for the second half of the show. We got to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Wolfpack Discs, Sweet Spot Disc Golf, Love from the Mitten. Chris Kearns loves it. Anytime we give a, give a shout out to Michigan. Michigan made, baby. Michigan made. <laughs> Nobody here can argue that. <laughs> Paul, do you, do you have some news for us 
don't you today are we skipping that or are we going yeah no i mean we're just going to do a little informal because that you know it's it's kind of funny we normally make our news segment a thing but i mean the news this week there were there were two things that each need their own show right um there was the whole like worlds thing uh not to put too much of a focus on mpo but talking about the um, hg wells deal (laughs) 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 no um yeah different that's a different time frame um either, for those of you that haven't seen it uh if you've been in a coma uh james conrad basically cemented uh, a highlight that's going to live for a while and is going to do a lot to grow the sport so go check out the the closing minutes of uh of fpo's war mpo's worlds this mm-hmm. that that was amazing we could talk about that as everybody else has done in podcast land for for an hour uh, but the other thing is that uh, a little sports cable network called ESPN, which we think might go places now, uh, has signed a contract with the Disc Golf Pro Tour to broadcast multiple events over the coming year. And we think that's going to oh, be yeah. a really good move for cable. I think cable's going to be a big thing coming up. Um, and we're Wave excited the to help them grow. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for news. No real disc approvals to, to note. And. Uh, I guess one other, well, one other thing in podcast news for us is I just want to point out that this is the uh, this is the first time we've done an episode where, on average, we are each a world champion. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Ooh, first time in my life. Oh, and congrats! To, we got to shout out to uh, Katrina for getting her second oh, world title. Yeah. That was an awesome FPO battle. And perseverance from her, like that, like you gotta use that word perseverance when you look at Katrina and her performance throughout Worlds. And there was so many times she was down by four strokes, five strokes. She could have just whatever, and she didn't. And she kept battling like she always does. And when she missed a putt, she made a putt. And I, I thought it was just so impressive. And we got to ask you, Elaine, because, I mean, he's your he's your teammate. Like, where were you? Were you watching that live on DGN when it happened? How did you hear about it? Yeah, you were watching live? <laughs> oh, we were watching live, yeah. So um, we were actually at a tournament, which, coincidentally, uh, James Conrad's father was at and playing oh, no way. with Eric. Yeah, we, we weren't with him. He was... Um, camping at the course and there was a whole bunch of people at the course like about 30 of them that were watching on cell phone and so that was very dramatic but we were just in our little airbnb and you know watching something else and i was kind of keeping an eye on the scores and i'm I'm like eric like stop we gotta we gotta watch this on youtube because there's a lot of stuff happening so we saw the last six seven holes yeah last six and it was it was so exciting because the lead kept changing and and I mean, you know, you get to hole 18. And I mean, Paul, Paul had won. He had won that event. Yeah. He would he he very appropriately on his second shot laid up. And then reach this, it. This, Thank you. Massively unlikely shot happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, we screamed like along with all of you. I mean, who who did not scream? Like Guinness World Book of Records should have hold number of people who screamed at that moment like you saw all over the internet like i was at the gas station getting gas and i screamed and people looked at me really funny and yeah i can I tell you who didn't scream yeah. yeah i was gonna say that the 40 other people shopping next to me didn't scream <laughs> <laughs> there was a story someone shared on the the page chris and i admin today paul's part of the the mcbeth and pierce collectors group and someone shared a story about how when that moment happened, their wife had actually given birth about 12 minutes before that. And they were sitting in the hospital room holding their newborn baby. And they started to scream out, oh, my God, oh, my God, to which someone actually hit an alarm in the hospital because they thought something was wrong. And the nurses came into the room. And can you imagine that guy having to explain why he was screaming? It's like, no. It wasn't this. No, it wasn't the Super Bowl. No, it was. Have you heard of disc golf? People, yeah, people no, throw. Wait, frisbees? everybody! Great news! It's not an emergency. It's well, just disc there's, golf. There's this thing called a pole hole, and you you throw a frisbee. 
<laughs> so no, uh, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> I will say all this pole hole talk might officially make us not family friendly as far as the podcast <laughs> rating. We'll see how it goes. Those filters are automatic these days. So, uh, <laughs> so I got to ask you a question about one more question about Canada. So playing in Canada. Now that you guys can travel back with the vaccine and the quality of events uh, increasing, do you plan on ever coming back and playing something like the Toronto Island Open or, or anything like that? Not this year. But, I mean, Eric talks about coming back and playing certain events. And, and the OGs took it back over. Mr. B and... Uh, Ken Little and all of those guys ran the TIO last year and they took it back on and, and oh, they're nice. running it going forward. It was Mr. B did all the intros last year for all of the players. It was, uh, it was pretty special. Yeah. It'd be nice to do, uh, one of those things to coordinate that in, in our schedules. Um, it's certainly a possibility. Um, I mean, whole COVID has kind of quashed oh, yeah. that. It's, it's not like it's in. It's like about 14 hours for us to drive it. And, you know, flights have never been that appealing to me because the hours you have to spend before, like in the lounge and checking in through TSA and the whole bit. Um, but I mean, we have a lot of family there that at this yeah. point we haven't seen for quite a while. So yeah, it's- Yeah, he's going to see his family. Like he, he doesn't actually think that's a reason to go back to Canada, <laughs> but, but it's actually, yeah, we got to see our family. So, so, and um, you guys, you guys said you have a story about someone we love in common here in Canada. Ooh, yes. So before we forget about that story being shared, <laughs> we all love a, a amazing fellow named Kim Scott Wood. And uh, Kim's become an awesome part of our Discraft community and makes people envious daily of all the incredible discs he has, including some incredible historical discs from the island and some of the, the, the amazing events and stuff. But you have a story about Kim. We're so excited to hear that story. So uh, the floor is yours. So I don't remember which tournament it was, but we traveled with Kim uh, a number of times and, and I did without Elaine at least a couple of times. Um, Cause Kim was just like teenage kid, didn't have a car. Um, and so we would go to tournaments like in Ohio or New York or Pennsylvania or whatever. Um, Cause we were going to like pretty much all the Can-Am events that were happening at the time. And um, so one time it was, we were coming back. It was late at night at the Canadian border. Yeah, at um, Buffalo, right? Probably. Anyway, Kim is in the back and he's just like on his phone totally ignoring like the, the border security guy who's taking our passports and whatever. Never even asked him for a passport. We go through and it's like, he must have thought he was our son. That's it, wasn't that exciting a story? It's a good story. It's a good story. I We, we have footage of Kim jumping off of bridges on the island after tournaments when he's young and he's told me tons of cool stories about when avery came and yuli came and they used to play together when they were kids and uh he's uh he's back into it full force and did he did he have his baby chris do you know i haven't talked to him lately he's been so busy i'm not his nanny man i'm not a wet nurse (laughs) well he's either had his baby or he's about to have his first baby (laughs) so uh it goes full circle, so maybe someone else will get to bring his kid across the border someday. And, Babies uh... are gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, uh, so I have a, let's just do another disc question. I like disc questions. It's the one part of the game I understand is the thing when before I throw it. Um, so uh, this is a question to either, both or each. Uh, I guess either and each are the same. What's the last, and, and maybe this is, so we've said so many good things about MVP, here it comes. What's the last disc you kicked out of your bag and why? I kicked out the Neutron Matrix because I replaced it with the Eclipse Reactor. Fair. Not very entertaining, but that makes a lot of sense. Sorry. That's it's, okay. It's sort of like the Kim Scottwood story. <laughs> it, 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 it promised to be something good, and it was fairly unexciting. 
And then I took that disc across the border, and it's still <laughs> blurred. The end. And with I, that, I can make this. With that, that eclipse plastic for Elaine. Edgy, go, Chris. Make it edgy. I what can't disc? even think about a disc that I've kicked out of my bag. I mean, there's discs that I rotate in and out depending on, you know, with what kind of course I'm playing. Um, but generally, I will keep a disc in my bag, and you know, a lot of people make fun of me for it. Um, but for decades, potentially, if the disc lasts, if I don't lose it or break it, I mean, I've still got an ace in my bag from 1987 when I got an ace on the Toronto Island with it. Um, an ace with the ace. I, I've got a 1991-86 softy that I use as my main putter usually, although I kind of just replaced nice. it a couple of weeks ago with a ch chain chomper, um, wow. which is also an 86 softy. Um, but I can't really think when the last time I took one out. So, so one thing you have to understand about Eric is that he's a little different than other people. So like other people will decide what molds they throw and they'll, they'll, you know, put these molds in their bag and, you know, if one breaks or they lose one, they put another one of the same mold to replace it. But that's not really Eric's strategy with your drivers anyhow. So Eric will find discs on a course that are unmarked and that that will go in his bag and he'll just throw that and then when he loses or breaks that he'll just like pull a random disc out of a box that, that like oh, i wonder what this does like oh i kind of like it and, and like but he won't ever like so when's the last time you bought a disc when you purchased a disc um a few weeks ago i uh barry schultz had bought a collection and he had 586 softies in there so his facebook name uh... I got these discs. You interested? <laughs> I said, "Sure. What do you want for them?" Barry said, "Well, I'd like a couple of thousand, but I'd probably take a hundred. So I replied, "Well, I would probably pay a hundred." <laughs> so that kind of went on for about a week, and then it was like, "Okay, how can we arrange this?" And we ended up at a tournament together, and and I bought these five eighty six softies from him. But other than that, it has been a lot of years since I actually bought a disc. Um, However, since Elaine has been sponsored, um, I, mean, I, I get this that way. And I, my m main two drivers now are the Insanity and the Banish because they're MVP. And I felt that I should be using MVP discs since they were her sponsor. And so those are the two that I've worked in. And I've tried a couple other ones. Um, but generally, I just, being the way I am, I don't like experiment with a lot to say, you know, what's this this going to do to fix my game um i'm fairly comfortable with my game i you know learn discs and know what they're going to do and as long as they keep performing for me then i keep them in my bag or you know i kind of gradually work in other stuff and occasionally we'll set it aside and think okay if this one breaks then i'm going to use this one mm. you got to have backups in the stable nothing is a worse feeling than losing a disc and you don't have something ready to go, whether it's the same mold or a different, you know, mold to fit well, that Elaine slot. Is much better with that than I am. I mean, she will actually label discs as this is her B disc. So she will work it to where she wants it. She'll put it aside. And if one of her discs goes off, she'll, she has one to go to. I kind of panic and go, okay, what the hell yes. do I do now? Yes, you panic. So <laughs> I can't play now because my understable mid-range is gone. Actually, a lot of MVP fans feel that way. Are you listening, MVP? Where's our understable mid-range? All right, moving on. Oh, Buzz SS. Coming soon, trademark. Ooh. <laughs> so here's, the, maybe this is a little edgier, Elaine. <laughs> If you could put a disc back in your bag, non-MVP oh. Axiom, oh. who would it be? Oh, I know the gun, answer. Yeah. Gun to your head. You got to put a disc. <laughs> it, the Comet. Ooh, oh, the nice. Comet. I, I still will get myself in a position on a course and go, damn it, I wish I had a Comet. Okay, I know I don't have a Comet, so I have to use my theory. So what can I do with my theory? But, yeah, no, yeah, Comets are amazing. That's the that it's no other company has a disc like a comp. It is just unique. 
So if we pair yeah. Understable Mid coming soon with Elaine really misses her comet, folks, you heard it here first on Circle 3. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I mean, MVP just, just pretty much confirmed it in our chat for us. So um, shout out to MVP Disc Sports, who's in the chat as well. And uh, TK Disc Golf, some MVP sponsored players, Taylor and Tyler Conkis, some buddies of mine, actually. So uh, very nice. cool to see you guys in here. Uh, no, that's awesome. So I want to ask you about that Eclipse plastic. So do you find that that Eclipse plastic has any effect on the stability of the mold? Yeah, I, I think the Eclipse reactor is a little less stable than the neutron reactor. But I mean, in my hands, like I'm throwing just like about a 170. And so I, I'm using that for stableness. So I can throw it into a headwind and whatever. Um, so I'm just finding the Eclipse plastic is just like perfect. It has just the perfect amount of stability for me. That's... I might go to a neutron reactor if like I'm playing in Oklahoma. I like right, that Eclipse right, right, right. reactor. I like the Eclipse reactor for what I'd for what I'd use like a Buzz SS for, for just that really nice, like I don't have to put a hundred percent on it every time. I can throw it. 80% and it still has 90% and it still has a nice straight flight and a soft finish. It's not bailing out hard and it's great for glow golf when you need to throw, throw straighter lines. It's, it's an awesome disc for that because I can tell you, uh, Chris, tell your sponsors, my, uh, my glow drivers. I, I have a really hard time finding them after I throw them. I, I feel you. <laughs> I usually have some glow tape on mine or some led lights. Yeah. It's, it's a good call. <laughs> Unfortunately, I play mostly in the day, so it works out. When you got um, five-year-old, three-year-old, one-year-old, you get out in disc golf whenever you can, Chris. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, an August Masters Worlds is coming up, yeah? We're a little yeah. over a month out. Yeah. Ooh. And that is going to be in Johnson City, Tennessee. Yeah. Why don't so, they call that Masters of the Universe? I feel like yeah, they missed and, something there. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a great event. Um, Tim Barr is going to run it. He ran the Women's Nationals out there a few years ago. Just a super hardworking guy, uh, knows how to run a tournament, knows how to show people a good time. Uh, courses are amazing. The Harmon Hills course is a private course. It's just got to be one of the best disc golf courses on private land that there is. Wow. Um, among the top, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Might might be a little hot and sticky. Might. Be. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a little toasty <laughs> down there. And the uh, um, assistant, the assistant tournament director for that event is uh, Chuck Connolly, who runs a lot of tournaments in this year and has in this area and has them for many years. Tournament director of the year a couple of years ago. Nice. Wow. Well, that's awesome. It should be a hopefully a super smooth event then. Yeah. Um. You know. How, how many strokes are each of you going to win by? <laughs> seven. <laughs> it's a good number. Seven's a good number. Seven. As Eric said, you know, she plans ahead. So it's like the B disc for this tournament, that's worth two strokes. Like the <laughs> 8.5, that's worth a stroke and a half. Oh, it looks like you'll get to play with my friend Sarah DeMar. Oh, okay. Sarah and I, man, we've played many, many, many times over the years. Yeah, she's a wonderful. She gets a, a mean massage too, so like. She yeah. does. <laughs> she does. If my wife's watching, it's you know she knows it's. <laughs> this is all legit. It's all it's legit. Very professional. You know, not, nothing, nothing shady there. <laughs> nice, um, Paul. I, you had a pretty good question about uh, giving discs to new people, didn't you? Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Oh yeah, I thought of one. But then I asked better ones, so I thought I'd ask those <laughs> instead. Uh, well, you know, just because we've been, we've already been uh, hyping up MVP and their excellent plastics. Not that we're fishing <laughs> for anything here. Fishing, um, oh, fishing or fission? That was good. Or fission? D depends on the pun you're making. Pipe down. I'm going to get to my question now. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, so we, we in the in the pre-show sometimes we try to come up with questions ahead of time. You know, this is our B question. It's worth a stroke and a half. Um, <laughs> So, uh, if you were gonna, I mean, it's it's kind of a take on the old like if you could only throw one disc, but it's more like if if you were gonna introduce somebody to golf and lock them into three discs for their first year, what would they be? 
Hmm. Other than round. We know that part. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I would say the electron atom for putting. And the reason is the electron plastic is nice and grippy. Uh, you, I have putted in the absolute drenching pouring rain. And, you know, you can just pick up the electron plastic. You don't need to dry it off. None of this powder or toweling. You just take the thing sopping wet and you throw yep. it. And you, you've got a grip. So As an Oregon player, putting. can confirm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, gosh. So their very first year of playing. Okay, so I am going to give them a relay for mm, fairway. Yeah. Very straight flying. I mean, it controls the relay. I'm not going to give them a driver yet. I'm not yeah. going to I'll have to like do a shameless promotion again and say the Eclipse Reactor for your mm -hmm. midge. Sure. Yeah. Both a good couple of point and shoot discs. That relay is great. My favorite thing is like when you let that relay go and you see it's heading at a tree, you know it is going to hit that tree dead center <laughs> from the moment it leaves your hand. That's, I, that's something I look for. And I mean, since they're a newer player and it's a little bit less stable, they should probably grab an Elaine King Eclipse Reactor. So I didn't I didn't think you said and we're back I didn't think you said Elaine King I didn't think you said Elaine King sorry my bad hey that's just what happens with me did I not say I got my COVID shot and I'm running at like 35 so. percent yeah I I thought there was two Elaine and Eric's on the screen a couple minutes ago so there are on our screen <laughs> that and, and I Fair also got to tell you that that picture of you and your child um, I don't know if the viewers can see it, but I, I find it highly disturbing. Yeah, they, they can only see that. <laughs> oh, the one with us, the one with us both wearing our little, little forward hats. Drivers caps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, our audio listeners, I'm sorry, but it's it's probably better this way. <laughs> it's a hundred percent better this way. No one wants it, it to see that. Jaunty. No one wants to see that. It was our Peaky Blinders shot. We, we'd been watching some Peaky Blinders okay, before, we, uh, before we took that picture. Well, and, and you know, the, the disc, so I would give people, and Chris should enjoy this, um, it's not really that popular a disc, but I love the impact. I, I think it's a great mm. all-around disc. Nice. I put three of them in my bag. Yes. That's a sleeper pick. A, a lot of people don't know about the impact, but yeah. Didn't they, didn't they do the, what, Oh, it's the release. Was it last year or this year? Foundation. Yeah, did Brody, yeah. Brody, and Paul did that. The impact, and what I love about the impact is it's got that like X out. It's got like I don't know if they they have always had this, but the one that I have has like an X out bar on the inside of the rim, and it gives you a little bit of yeah. extra mm -hmm. grip when you're uh, when you're going to throw it. Discrafts yeah. experiment experimented with that a few times. I remember back in the day they made the surge with the power grip. Yeah, I remember. Oh, the little, grip, yeah. The pulse, yeah, the little also. gel pad. Mm -hmm. And of course, Mark Alex just runs in there every once in a while and just stamps the crap out of some Elite X discs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. And before we head out for the evening, I mean, I think we've said, uh, I said it one too many times a couple minutes ago. We've said Elaine King uh, <laughs> Eclipse Reactor quite a few times tonight. But don't sleep on MVP Plastic at all, guys. And we hope we gave you a little bit of an intro to it. Uh, if you haven't thrown MVP, this is not just because of our guests. It's because I believe in it. I know Paul believes in it. Try some. Pick it up. It is not crazy expensive. You're not paying $30 for, for Tour Series discs. You can go get some. You can throw them and, and try out some of these molds that we were talking about today. You'll probably fall in love with them. Anything you yes. guys want to plug before we let you go today? Um, well, there's just one comment that I wanted to make, and it's, you know, they're talking about what an incredible shot that James Conrad made, you know, the most memorable shot in disc golf. With and, an MVP you know, Eclipse Envy. throw from 885 feet in 2003 had just gone in the basket, I don't think there would be any question as to what the most memorable shot was, but it, it's got to be up there. I think James's shot earned him massively more money than my, <laughs> my miss from 885. I, I don't think monetarily there's any comparison. And it, it would have been debate worthy. 
for sure. I mean, it's it, it's still a top five shot forever, right? I mean, but that's... I like I like those bonus points, Eric. I respect your game. <laughs> <laughs> well played, I, I sir. gotta say, this was a real pleasure. I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys for the hour. Um, good job. Oh, Thanks, and, and Eric, you're you're clearly an amazing partner, husband, parole officer. You seem to do it all. So, acquitted. <laughs> he said expunged. Like you heard it here. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we will be looking out for you. What is the next event you are playing in Elaine? The C tier Eco Tour at Newburn. But it, just in case you missed that, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be playing Master Worlds, Idle Wild, um, Delaware, and MVP Open. So I'll, I'll start to hit some big ones later in the year. Awesome. And also, and you didn't mention, but Elaine is now a commentator for Discord. I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. yeah are we, so when do we when Ooh. do we next get to hear the dulcet tones of the King commentary? For the Discraft. Great Lakes Open. Wicked. Right. Lighten up oh, the well, D-Glow. What the heck? I'm, I'm going to be volunteering the whole weekend for that. I'm not gonna I, be able to say, is that going to be live or post-produce post that you're doing commentary? Um, no, I'm going to do the live commentary from Milwaukee, um, <laughs> okay. which I will have to go to from Ann Arbor, which I will be at for the PDJ Summit, which is being held just you know the few days before um, the tournament starts. Yeah. So, so come and say hello. You're you're gonna have a hard time coming up with some catchphrases like Philo did last week. I'm actually getting a T-shirt made that says maybe my new favorite phrase ever that Philo coined last week: "The cream always rises to the crop." <laughs> <laughs> the cream always. He he also used the the phrase "one horse pony" quite a few times, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite sure what a one horse pony is, but uh we've got but we'd some love work to have him here to find out. <laughs> we've got some work cut yeah. out for you, Elaine, to uh come up with some oh quips like those ones. And uh this is officially the end of Circle Three for episode eight. We want to thank our guests one more time, Elaine King, Eric Vandenberg, and uh Chris Kearns, Paul Blair, Brandon Timney. Uh thank you guys so much. We will see you two weeks from now on the next episode of Circle 3. We hope everyone has a fantastic night. Talk to bye you later. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm looking forward to you all. <laughs> <laughs>